So today, as I think Duncan has already said, um, we are going to be starting a new series entitled Signs of the Kingdom. The kingdom, of course, that we're going to be talking about is the kingdom of God, which exists in anyone who has put Jesus in charge of their lives. So I became a a citizen of the kingdom of God when I was 14. Um, For the first time, I realised that God was real. And that as he was real, he was also my creator. And if he was my creator, then actually my life belonged to him. And ever since that day, with God's help, I have tried to give my life to him. I have tried to live for him living according to his rules and trying to please him rather than chasing after my own dreams. But being a part of the kingdom of God, you know, it obviously costs us something. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the benefits of being a part of God's kingdom. And so today we're going to kick the series off by looking at comfort and the kingdom of God. And we're going to do it by reading Isaiah chapter 40, um, just the first few verses. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it. I'm going to refer to it quite a lot over the next 20 minutes. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 1. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries, and it says, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up onto the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, says, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules with him. Before, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them to his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Amen. Okay, so this passage, it starts with, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. It sounds hopeful, doesn't it? And yet, as you read on, it's not entirely easy to understand this passage. Some of it, at a superficial level at least, doesn't seem to be good news. 
And the first thing, though, I want you to hear today is that the kingdom of God is always good news. If you don't remember anything else this morning, remember the kingdom of God is always good news. Brilliant. So thinking about comfort, we need it most, don't we, when we're feeling broken, when we've hit a low point, a place where we have come to the end of ourselves and we are struggling to put one foot in front of another. And sometimes, like in this passage that we've just read, the pain is caused by our own sinful nature. At other times, those crushing moments come through no fault of our own. I'm guessing that most of us have felt the need for comfort at some point in our lives. And if you haven't, I've got to tell you, you will do at some point. Hard times often cause us to face uncomfortable truths, don't they? And, and they cause us to ask difficult questions, like, why am I going through this? Do I deserve this? Where is God? Is God even good? Ever asked any of those questions? You know, many of you will know that one of the lowest points of my life was discovering that I had stage four breast cancer a few years ago. And uh, my biggest questions around the time of diagnosis was, is this going to kill me? And God, are you going to save me? And in those low moments, you want answers to your questions, don't you? But you also need to hope, you also need hope that comes from the comfort of God. In our passage today, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to, of God's comfort to the Jews. And yet the storyline, it's not a simple one. In the previous chapters, Isaiah has explained that because of the people's sin, they're going to be carried off into exile to Babylon. The immediate future for the people that Isaiah is speaking to here is not rosy. And many of you will know about the life of Daniel, who lived in exile, as, pro as Isaiah prophesied, because of his predecessor's sin. And in Isaiah 40, the exile hasn't happened yet, but Isaiah is looking at what will happen afterwards. And he starts with proclaiming comfort. The sin wasn't overlooked, but when we come to God in repentance, he offers us a sure and certain future. So comfort and hope break through in verse 3, where it says, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Now this is a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah who would come to pay the ultimate price for our sins. But there is a command here that if you want to receive God's comfort, you need to create a way. It says, prepare the way of the Lord. Open your hearts to receive him. If you want to receive all the benefits of God's goodness, if you want to experience the wonderful prophet promises 
that are offered in the kingdom of God, we need to make Jesus king of our lives. You know, I was at a funeral this week um, of a 20-year-old girl whose family are not Christians. And it's a truly heartbreaking situation. And obviously my prayers are with that family as I seek to bring comfort to them by offering love and support. But ultimately, if we want to know the full comfort that Jesus offers, we need to invite him into our lives. Because that is where hope comes from the future that God offers. And of course, as we do so, it goes on to say, every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. In other words, as we open our hearts, as we open ourselves up to Jesus, a miracle can take place. You know, the grunge and the rubbish in our lives that we are unable to shift, God is able to clear it away in a miraculous way so that Jesus is able to work his saving grace in our lives. But God's comfort, it doesn't end with our personal lives. God wants to make all all things new. He wants to bring a permanent end to suffering. And this will happen at the end of time when Jesus comes again, which is what verse 5 is about. And it says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is the description of the second coming. Be comforted. Be comforted, guys, because God offers salvation to us as individuals, as well as ultimately removing all pain and suffering from the world. One of the things that brought comfort to me in hard times is that God is always able to use our struggles for our good. You may have noticed last week that two of the people being baptised went through some really tough times that caused them to seek God. You know, I've also been reading um, the book that Andy um, recommended a couple of weeks ago, Movements That Change the World. And in it, he explains that some people, even Christians, sometimes need to hit a place of brokenness so that they become so desperate that they cry out to God for help. And as they do so, God is able to bring about transformation, both in them as individuals, but also in their wider communities. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are the poor, sorry, blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it's often the case that when we're in a place of brokenness, it's a type of mourning, isn't it, quite often. And as we mourn, we become open to allowing God to come alongside us, to restore our relationship with him, and to heal us. And that might be spiritual healing, it might be emotional healing, it might be physical healing. And we end up in a place that is better than where we started. I think some of you need to hear that. When God finishes us, we will end up in a better place than where we started. 
I've noticed that when things are going well, people don't often like to reflect on potential threats. Are you like that? You don't want to think about the storm clouds that might be ahead. For example, I've heard people say, if you mention something you would rather avoid, you might jinx it into happening. Heard that one? Or, for example, have you heard, if you mention something... Oh, sorry. Don't say that, you're tempting fate. Have you ever heard it? Have you ever said that? <laughs> it's not in my Bible. It's not truth. Actually, the Bible is firmly planted on the realities of this life. While we might like to focus on the positive, the Bible doesn't avoid the lows. It doesn't avoid the realities of life. And even in this passage, it says, All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, and the, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely, people are like grass. Do you remember one of my tough questions after my cancer diagnosis? It was, God, is this going to kill me? In other words, God, am I going to die? And do you know God's response? God spoke to me very clearly about that, actually. Not immediately, but he did. And he said, Dola, everybody dies. Everybody dies. And although for some of you that might sound a little bit harsh, it is, of course, true. And for me, it really helped me put things into perspective. You know, I might die sooner than you, but hey, we're all going to die. We all need to be put right with God. We need to all put our life in order. And actually, God saying that to me, it brought comfort to me. You know, reflecting on this verse where it says, um, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Gosh, I'm supposed to be bringing comfort, but maybe this verse will make some of you feel uncomfortable. But this is where we need to shift from drinking milk to eating meat. The truth of the matter is, is that God is not only the giver of life, but he also numbers our days. And while that, while that might feel a little bit dark and a little bit unsettling, it also reveals the fact that God is in control of everything. So although death entered the world because of Adam and Eve's sin, we do not need to fear it. We don't need to fear it. And our lives are held firmly in our Heavenly Father's hands. And he will, and we, me, you, us, we will only draw our last breath when God decrees it. And I guess for me, living with a life-limiting illness has taught me to trust God more. I've had to fight for it. I've had to seek God out. I've had to learn to trust him. And you know what? What the devil meant for bad, God has used for my good. And amongst other things, um, it's prepared me that I have no fear of COVID. If I'm not afraid of death, why would I be scared of COVID? Now, don't misunderstand me. COVID is real and it kills 
and we're not asked to be reckless with our safety. But it's God's desire for us to live without fear. You know, when back in December, I was feeling rather frustrated when Boris cancelled Christmas. I was really, I walked around the park kicking things because I was really annoyed. I had a, quite a lot of turkey in my fridge, that was just part of the story, but <coughs> anyway. Um, so I prayed and I felt God told me or encouraged me to do two things. The first one was that I could run an online Bible study. And I've got to say thank you to all you ladies, some of you in the room, some of you on camera, um, who joined me. I've got to say, you guys kept me sane in January, February and March. You kept me sane and I enjoyed your company. You were a comfort to me. And the second thing that God reminded me of, <coughs> excuse me, was that it's still legal to exercise with more than one person. And so on the 22nd of December, I took my first slow amble around the local park with a friend, which was great, except for the next day she tested positive. <laughs> now it's in moments like this that you need to actively decide, am I going to trust God or am I going to let my emotions rule? Do we trust God, or do we allow our emotions to run away with us? Do I truly believe that my life is in God's hands? Now listen carefully. For me, it wasn't about whether I caught COVID. Essentially, it wasn't about whether I lived or died. But simply, do I trust God with the outcome? Do I trust God with the outcome? If I were to have died, do I believe it's part of God's good and perfect plan? Do I, like Paul, say in Philippians, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain? We don't need to have fear. You know, I've heard some people say that they look at me and see me as being courageous. <laughs> and you know what, guys? I disagree. I am not courageous. And I've lost my place. Instead, I have simply learnt to fix my eyes on Jesus. Trusting him to calm the storms of my life or to carry me through them. But I'm no different from any of you guys. It is Jesus who lives in me who brings me comfort, who instills hope and peace in my heart. And it's that same Jesus who wishes to comfort you too, so that you are able to go forward with the same courage as me. You know, my second question at the time of diagnosis was, God, are you going to save me? I guess what I wanted to know was whether God would heal me of cancer. And to be honest, God hasn't answered me on that. I don't know if he will give me physical healing or not. But his word tells me that Jesus has won the ultimate victory over sin and death. My eternal future is secure. 
And as Psalm 119 verse 50 says, this is my comfort. Your promises give me life. You know, for the Jews living to, listening to Isaiah, they would have, they had to wait actually about 150 years before they would return from Babylonian exile. But they were given the comfort from God that he had not forgotten them and that his promises could be trusted. And for us too, God's heart, it's for us, not against us. And sometimes God's works in the here and now, supernaturally providing for our needs and healing our sicknesses. And we should be seeking after that. God, come in your power. But um, also, as my son Daniel said to me yesterday, God's comfort isn't always like a comfy sofa. Sometimes it needs working through. It can take discipline. Uh, And we need to focus on God. We need to remind ourselves that he is bigger than our problems. We need to remember the promises he has made to us. We need to believe that he who that he is who he says he is. And when our earthly life comes to an end, we need to know that an internal life without tears and without sadness awaits us. This then brings us comfort so that we can have the strength to face today. I'm going to ask for Zoe and Andy to come up again and play. And I think maybe the rest of us should just sit quietly for a moment, perhaps close your eyes and listen to what God might want to say to you. For God to speak, we need to be in a place where we're willing to listen to what he says. We need to be in a place where we're willing for him to be ruling in our lives. What is he saying to us now? Is there anything that he is asking of us? I guess on one level, some of us may not have yet uh, made a decision to be a follower of Jesus. Perhaps you're not a Christian yet. Or if you are a Christian, it could be that you've only given God limited access to your life. And God says, no, I want more. You know, uh, quite a few years ago, God gave me this picture of a house. And it's a house with lots of rooms. When we have guests, we let them come into the living room, don't we? And we've got it all nice and clean and tidy. But maybe our cellar or our attic is full of rubbish and spider's webs and dirt. Things that we don't want people to see. But Jesus says, I want to come and live with you. I want to live with you. And I want to have full reign of your whole house. And if you're only allowing him into restricted areas and not into the whole house, then God says, let me in further. Let me in further. Allow me into those places that perhaps you find shameful those places that you don't want on display. Is God speaking to you about that? Are there rooms, are there doors we say, Jesus, come in?
Come in and work your miracle. Only you can remove the dirt, the rubbish, the grunge of my life. Only you can make me fully clean. And today I want to recommit my life to you, Jesus. I want to recommit myself and say, come, have full control. Today I'm allowing you into those dirty and dark spaces of my life. I also wonder if there's some of you, um, you're followers of Jesus, but you haven't experienced the confidence that I've described when facing problems. You can experience that confidence. You can receive God's comfort. You can have peace and hope regardless of what you are facing. Jesus is bigger than anything we may know. You know, when I um, was, well, going through the process of diagnosis, I first of all had a mammogram, then I had an ultrasound, then I had a biopsy, then I had a bone scan, a CT scan, blood works, and finally an MRI. And I came out of the MRI and I said to myself, I don't think I'm ever willingly gonna go through that again. That was, of all those things, the worst thing that I faced. And that was, I think, on a Tuesday morning. And that Tuesday afternoon, I met my oncologist for the first time. And he said, sorry, Mrs. Dieppe, it looks as if your cancer has spread from your breast and is in your bones. But just to make sure so that we know what treatment to give you, I'm gonna send you to Mount Vernon Hospital for an hour long, full body, M-R-I. Waiting for that scan was really not much fun. I spent a lot of it hidden under a duvet, literally hidden under a duvet. There were times when I felt as if I'd had an electric shock and I was paralysed. I couldn't get up in the morning. I was so scared. Um, the only thing that was a relief for me, I guess, at that time was that um, I would listen to worship music on Spotify to focus my attention on who God is. My God is bigger than this thing. And so the day of my MRI, I went into the room. It's a big tube. And I said to them, am I allowed to walk around it? And they said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I walked around it and I said, can I get out either end? And they said, yeah, sure you can. You can crawl through this thing. So I lay on the bed and they strapped me down. And I'm thinking, actually I said to them, I can't get out now, can I? And they went, no. <laughs> and as the, um, it's like an electric table bed thing and it goes into the MRI, I said to God, where do you want to meet me today? And do you know what? He met me. He didn't meet me and help me avoid the problem. He met me literally in the place of fear. Literally in the place of fear. And I guess, actually, do you know what? That was one of the best hours of my life. <laughs> and I've had the MRIs every quarter since, so for the last four and a half years. And they no longer pose a problem to me. And God says, I want to give you freedom too. 
my comfort will give you freedom. But you need to focus on me. So again, what's God saying? Are there things that you need to offer up to him and say, Lord, I'm scared of this. I don't know what to do about this, but I'm giving it to you. Would you allow me to see you in this situation? Father God, what do you want to do? Let me know your love. Let me know your peace. Let me know your hope. The fact that whatever happens to me, you are still God and my eternity is secure. God is good. God is good. And we didn't have time really to talk about the last little section, but I'm guessing that some of you are saying, oh, this is all good stuff, but I want to bring God's comfort to others and I don't know how to do so. You know, it, it says, go up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. We are heralds of good news. And like that family that I know that I went to the funeral of this week, God wants me to bring comfort to others. And he wants you guys to do that too. And sometimes we struggle with the words. And sometimes we just try and be nice, good, loving people. But actually we need to speak the name of Jesus because it's the name of Jesus that saves. And if some of you are struggling with that, and if some of you are thinking, I need to give God Lordship of my mouth. I need to allow him to speak the words that he wants me to speak. Um, Then respond to God now. Respond to God now. Yeah. Of course, at the end, I'll be available to pray for anybody who wants prayer and maybe some others would like to, I know Sandy's in the room, Manuela, Duncan are here. If anyone wants to pray and to receive more of what God has, allow the kingdom of God to expand in their lives, then come speak to one of us. Come and speak to one of us.